need when we get to that part where it says one day the trumpet will sound. We need someone that can the trumpet burst it out right there. I think that would be a perfect spot for that. And so we're glad you're here today, glad you're in church. And what day that's going to be when we get to see our Savior. And um, what a great song, going through all, basically everything that Jesus did, He did for us and through His life. And what, what a Savior. Don't ever lose sight of those things. We're in the middle of November, and in a couple weeks it will be Thanksgiving. I just want to encourage you, a Christian should always be thankful. The Lord's done so much for us. Don't lose sight of this. This world wants to push everything else on you and keep you from thanking Jesus. Just thank Him. You're saved this morning. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're in great shape. And praise God for that. When I say, I feel like I'm in great shape. I know, I know. Friday night I played a basketball game with the police department. They, why they wanted the chaplain to play, I'm still not quite sure. And my body was a little sore yesterday from playing in that game. And some of you, I don't know how you get up each day and do the things that you do. And, uh, but you might say, I don't feel like I'm, you're, you're all right. You got Jesus. You don't need nothing else. And yes, I know that there are those hard days and the tough times that come. We look at today, if we continue, as we're continuing our series, I want to remind you where we've been and where we're going with this, with First Peter. This was not a great time to be a Christian. You say, well, Why? I'm talking about worldly speaking. I'm not talking about with the Lord. It's always a great time to be a Christian. And it is in this world a great time and day to be a Christian today. But when we look at our world and we think about persecution back in Bible days, let's just go back there for a few minutes. We've talked about Nero was basically the, was in charge of the world at this time, you know, when I say that. And he hated Christians and he loved himself. He just loved himself. He was his favorite person in the entire world. And, he, and history tells us and legends tell us that he really wanted to leave a name for himself. He wanted people to remember him well. And he really wanted to build Rome up himself. The only problem is Rome was already built. It took a long time to build Rome up. So they tell us that he paid people to burn down the city so he could rebuild it up with his stuff. And what they did was they accused Christians of being the ones that burned the city down. So you'll notice that he hated Christianity. He hated, and we'll see later on, the persecution that comes to Peter, to Paul. It's all under Nero. Nero hated Christianity. He would take, he had a garden in his palace. And that garden, they didn't have lights like we have today. But one of the things that they would do to light up his garden at night is they would hang Christians, put them in this liquid, and light them on fire, and would light up his garden so that he, they could be lit up at night. They would take animal skins and place them on top of Christians in these Colosseum areas, and they would let wild beasts, wild dogs, lions, they, go and eat the Christians. He hated Christianity. They crucified Christians. And so we look and we see this passage, and the book of 1 Peter is talking about how to God's grace through persecution and how to move forward. And I know today we look at our world, we look at things, we're like, well, that persecution isn't like what it used to be. But you don't realize today, do you know there are more Christians being martyred for their faith today than any other time in history? Do you know that? 
give you an example of just the other day. So right here is a picture of a man and his family. If you were to look on CBS News and uh, different news outlets this last week, this man, Stephen Trowell, they said that he was an American aide in Iraq, was killed in Iraq. In all reality, you can talk a little bit more about this now, he was a Baptist missionary to Iraq, he and his family. Some of those that didn't like what he taught gunned him down in his car in Iraq, and his wife and four children were in the car. He was shot to death with a bullet to the head. Monday, six days ago, his wife and family are on their way back to the United States now, and they're safe. Can you imagine for his wife? And I think the oldest daughter is 13 there. The youngest, their youngest boy is one. Did not have their dad anymore. And he was martyred because people didn't like what he did over there. Something that's very interesting is there was another news article out of Iraq that said there were many people very upset that this man died because of all the good he did for them. Persecution happens, and it's going to, as a Christian. You might look and say, well, we're not experiencing these things. In our world today, it is happening. It's not happening here today. But there's nothing saying that that day will not come at some point. We could look at our neighbors to the north, Canada, and look at what they've done to preachers preaching the gospel just recently and throwing them in jail. It's not that far away spreading everywhere. And the closer we get to the Lord's return, I'm not trying to discourage you this morning, but if it happened 2,000 years ago, why should it not happen still to this day? You know, the problem is they didn't hate this man. They hated who he stood for. You realize when Christians were first called Christians, it was not a badge of honor they were trying to give. They were trying to mock these people. They're acting like that guy that died. They're acting like Christ. What a great thing to be said of these people. But look at who we look back to, the leader of what we are. He was rejected of men. He was falsely accused. And he was hung on a cross and died. Persecution will come. But also this morning, there's times of suffering that come. And these verses that we look at today, if you remember last week, we were in verse number 12. So I want you to look at verse number 12 one more time. I want you to see, look at verse number 12 of 1 Peter 3. It says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their ears, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You see, in the midst of persecution, God sees what's going on. He hears our prayers, and his face is against those that do evil. Those that gun down that missionary this week, God is against them. Say, but it happened. It did. And in this world, there's going to be tribulations. In this world, there will be suffering. There will be persecution. But this morning, I want to look at how to respond to persecution. 
Now, as we look at this today, you say, Pastor, I'm not being persecuted. And I know the, the worst things that happen to us today is maybe you're trying to tell someone about your faith and they laugh at you. Or, or I don't know, family members reject you because you're that weirdo that goes to church. I don't know. That's some of the worst persecution we face. Or a kid gets made fun of at school for standing for Christ. That's still a big deal. That's a big deal. One of the things I want to make sure you understand, let's read these verses and then I'll explain a few things. It says in verse 13, And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with weakness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good lifestyle or conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need you this morning. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Pray you bless the message today. Help us to see these things on how to respond to persecution, respond to suffering. Meet with us today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look here today, and as we dive into the message, we're going to see four ways on how to respond to persecution. You can say, when we suffer, you could look at how to how for responses to suffering as well this morning. And as we dive in, we're just going to go right on through, and we'll see where we get to by the end of the message. But number one, you need to consider yourself blessed. That's probably not what you thought you were was going to be said. Responding to God's blessing, yeah, then I could, should consider myself blessed. No, as we go through trials, as we go through suffering, as we go through persecution, we are to consider ourselves blessed. Now, to us, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But as we, and let me help you before we dive into the meat of the message, too. If you notice something that the Bible makes clear here, it's talking about suffering for doing what's right. I hear many Christians say, oh, I'm just suffering. And then they've done, I, I'm going to jail suffering for the Lord. And they did something against the law. That's not suffering for the Lord, okay? There's a difference. The Bible says having a clear conscience. We, I just saw, what was it on Friday? The town I grew up in, Wildemar. The church, I don't know what church it is down there, but a 55-year-old pastor in that church was arrested for committing 16 lewd acts with minors. There is nothing, and I've heard others in the past in Baptist churches and things, oh, they're being persecuted for, no, they did wrong. They're being judged for doing wrong. This is not in this area, okay? So don't try and call yourself a martyr when you do wrong. That's not what this is about. Now, if the government tells you to do something that goes against what God tells you to do, and in their eyes it's wrong, that's different. If they say, don't go to church, I think we should still go to church. That's different. But we look in our world today, don't, don't confuse wrongdoing with this. There are, and let's just make sure we hear stuff like that. It's sickening, the stuff we hear in churches today. And this is the whole thing. People will accuse, and, and the sad thing is a lot of times these things are true today. And when those things happen, it brings a reproach and blasphemy to the name of Christ. 
And that's why churches need to be, and I'll just put this out, and then we'll dive into the message. Churches need to be a safe place for people to come. And if our children are not protected while they're here, they have no business being here if we can't protect them. And that's why we're very careful. Background checks on everyone who works here and not just one adult with kids. Say, why? Because in all reality, we are safer with our children here than we are with the safe that has the money in it. Say, well, is the safe? No, it's secure too. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of churches are more concerned about their money than they are their children that come. And that's wrong. Our children need to be safe in this place. And when things happen, they need to be reported to the right people, to the authorities, and let them deal with it, not sweep it under the rug and bring more reproach to the name of Christ. It's happening in Catholic churches. It's happening in Southern Baptist churches. It's happening in Independent Baptist. And I think it's everywhere. And that stuff's wrong and has no place. So as we look today about being the persecution coming and these things, this is for doing what's right. This is not you doing wrong. Oh, they're only persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No, you broke the law. There's a difference. So as I say that, we see number one, as we look at how to respond to persecution, how to respond is consider yourself blessed. Look at what it says. Look at verse 13 there. Verse 13 says, and i got to turn back one page here. It says, And who is to harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Now that word happy, if we were to go to Matthew, and we'll look at Matthew 5 in a second, some verses there. But, okay, put those up for me, Joe. Put Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12 up. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecute they the prophets which were before you. That word blessed there in Matthew 5 is the same word for happy are ye in 1 Peter 3, verse number 14 there. That word means privileged, honored, blessed. You say, well, how is it that if I'm going through suffering or persecution for Christ, I'm blessed? That's what the Bible says. You are honored to be called a Christian. You are honored to carry his name around today. We think about those who have served our country. They proudly stand and they proudly say when they served. But it was an, and if you were to ask them, and anyone that I've ever asked, this is what they've told me. It was an honor and a privilege to be able to serve my country. It's an honor and a privilege to be a Christian today. And whatever it brings with it. Think about the apostles, Acts chapter number 5. We're going through this on Sunday nights a few weeks ago. Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and 41. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They were beaten here. And look what it says. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow. They... They just took a beating. And were told, don't preach in that name. And many of the council rejoicing. They were privileged and honored that they were worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. What Christians they were. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll get there later on in a few weeks, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a little while, 
make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse number 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. That's interesting. Glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And I know there are many people, don't ever pray for patience. Don't pray for patience. But the Bible says, let patience have her perfect work. They may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We need patience. James chapter number 1 and verse number 2 and James wrote the book of James to all the Christians that were scattered because of the persecution. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Say, joy? When I'm suffering for being a Christian, it's supposed to be a joy? When I'm suffering for the name of Christ, when I'm being persecuted, when I'm being mocked, made fun of, when we're supposed to rejoice in that? Yes, that's what the Bible says. Is that easy to remember Paul saying in prison, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now if he was sitting in a mansion, overlooking the beach, relaxing, you'd be like, he's saying that right now? Yeah, it's easy to say to rejoice when everything's good. He's sitting in a jail cell. We are to rejoice in the Lord. As we look at this, the text indicates that this blessing is part of the suffering and the persecution that comes. God is always about using what comes into our lives to help conform us and make us into the image of Christ. The Bible's clear about that. And as we look at these verses, we should count it an honor and privilege to serve God today. Hey, whatever God has you do, wherever you're at, whatever you do for him, it should be an honor and privilege that you get to serve the King of Kings. Don't ever lose sight of that. This is what we do sometimes. We look at things and we're like... God's got it good. He got me. God got the bad end of every deal with every human being that's ever been here. God did not get anything good when he got me. You know what he got when he got me? He got a pain in his neck, a headache. He got a lot of trouble. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve the King of Kings. You teach a kid's class or you teach around here, it's an honor and privilege to be able to serve the Lord in a ministry. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to play the piano. It's an honor and privilege to do whatever you do for God. It's an honor and a privilege. We're blessed in that and whatever comes with it. And as we think about God's working and what he does and we see these things, we see, number one, you've got to consider yourself blessed. I know that goes against our thinking, we're thinking we're getting persecuted or we're suffering. I'm blessed. You're blessed. Number two, we need to put our trust in Christ. Put our trust in Christ. This is how to respond to suffering. Secondly, we put our trust in Christ. Look at verse 14 and 15, the rest of verse 14. It says, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Hey, to these early Christians, hey, don't let Nero, don't be afraid of him. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious about him. Like, how do you not? Think of all these Christians that are dying for their faith, and I'm told here not to be troubled by it. I'm not supposed to be afraid of him. And look at what the Bible says in the next verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A lot of people will preach verse 15, but they take it out of context a lot. Now, I don't believe the bad context is 
completely false with it because we should be ready to give an answer to every man. I do believe that's true. But this is talking about when persecution comes. Now, if you tie this all together, think with me for a minute here, okay? We are told not to fear and to be anxious. In our lives, fear and anxiety builds up, doesn't it? It does. How many of you ever get anxious about things? Be honest this morning. Be honest. Who would say, I never get anxious? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Everyone gets anxious about things. It's a part, it's part of what we do. I know, um, <laughs> my dad yesterday, my dad, growing up, I don't think I ever saw him anxious about anything. But the older he gets, you start seeing some of those anxieties show. So he couldn't get a hold of my sister yesterday, so he was worried about her. And she just was somewhere where she couldn't answer her phone for a minute, and then everything was fine. But when I was a kid, I never would have seen my dad be like that. But anxieties come. We all have anxieties. We all have fears. But look at what the Bible says here. Just put this into mind, okay? Look back at verse 14, the end of it. It says, And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But, do you see the word but there? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Okay, this is big. If you look at this passage and what it says, it says, don't be afraid and don't be troubled. Because this is what happens. When we get afraid and when we're troubled, it consumes us. Am I right on that statement? Say, how do you know that? Because I've been there, done that. I do, it more, I do it often. Fears and anxieties build up, and it's all that's there. But the Bible says, sanctify. So set apart and put the Lord there in your heart. You're supposed to put away the fear, put away the anxiety, and put God in there, trusting him. I didn't really pick up on this till I was studying for this week, the past few weeks, that, that how this is phrased here. And we think about other passages, be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The thing is, when we let these fears and we let these anxieties in, they consume. And Peter tells these Christians, those are going to be there. I get it. There's persecution. Don't let the fear and don't let the anxieties stay there. You must set the Lord apart and put him in here. And in your heart, that refers to your mind as well. Put the Lord in your mind. Get rid of the fear. Take the anxiety out and put the Lord there. Why? You know the difference between those that stand for what's right and those that don't stand for what's right? It's what you got in here. Just hold on for a second. Those that are full of fear and anxieties will cave in their faith in those hard moments. Those that remove those and put Jesus Christ as the forefront, that's why Peter could be crucified upside down. He's crucified upside down. How could he go from being the guy that denied the Lord three times to being the guy that's being crucified upside down? He had to put some things away and 
put the Lord where he needs to be. Sanctify, set him apart. Don't, and this, and maybe that kind of means, and I'm still, I'm still chewing on this because I'm going to get another message from this passage that I'm still working on myself. And uh, that's why I do, I'll go through sermons and do different things. And then there's just things that catch my attention. And this is really catching my attention. It's going to take more time. It's kind of like, you know, the, the cow in its cud, chews its cud. I got to chew on it a while. I've got more thoughts to get out of here. And even after I get more thoughts, there'll still be more to it at the end of the day. But this is what we do, and this is what I do in my life. I'll just, you know, I, how many of, I try to be a good Christian. How many of you try to be a good Christian? I think we all try to be good Christians. I don't think that's the problem. I think we all try. But let's just use these songbooks. They come in handy for something, right? So we've got our fear. We have our anxiety right here. We have all these things here. And we got the Lord. We got them all here. Thing is, when they're all together at different times, different things are going to pop up and be more favorable. The Bible says here to not let your fear or your anxiety, let those prevail. But set the Lord apart from those things. I think sometimes we keep them too close together. We're supposed to trust God, and that's why the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Because we've got to trust him. When fear and anxiety runs our life, we're not trusting. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, and we've got to put these to the side so we can keep our focus on him. Does that make sense? And maybe in a few weeks I'll have a new message out of those thoughts and go a little bit deeper, but I'm still working on it. So as we look here, my iPad went dark. Why did it do that? I'm getting all anxious up here. Here we go. Let's get this thing back open. There it is. Last week I didn't even use it, and then now I got it here. But we need to put our trust in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 3 through 7, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Hey, Christian, we just need to trust the Lord. Trust him. And if it was so easy, the Lord wouldn't tell us over and over again to trust him. Isn't he trustworthy? Do you trust him for your salvation today? That's amazing that you can never lose your salvation and you are sealed into the day where you are set with your salvation. Then why can't he take care of everything else? I tell myself that about 10 times a day right there. Because the, what he did in salvation, I don't think it gets any greater than that. And yet, I can't trust him with the small stuff. The extra money we need around church. The health problems going on in family members. This or that. We can trust him. He's a trustable God today. When the persecution comes, when the suffering comes, how do we respond? We're supposed to count ourselves blessed. You're like, Pastor, this is not where I thought this message was going today. That's because the Bible goes counter to culture and counter to our thinking. Number two, we need to trust in the Lord. Then number three, we need to find opportunity through it to witness. Look at the rest of verse 15. It says, um, And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that what 
they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Let me give you a great example in the Bible. I think it's kind of neat how Sunday nights we're going through the book of Acts. If you're not here for Sunday nights, you're missing out on some good stuff there in the book of Acts. But we're starting to talk about Stephen right now on Sunday nights. And so last week we looked at Stephen. Tonight we're going to start, we're going to go halfway through his message. And what a message he preached. What a message. And we'll start on that tonight. And so, yeah, I'm stealing someone's message tonight. I'm stealing Stephen's message tonight. So, but what we see is Stephen, he, he was just, they couldn't refute him. So what did they do? They brought in these people to make false accusations. They hired people to give false accusations against Stephen. And as they did this, we see the crowd get, they rile up the people, and then eventually what happens is they end up taking Stephen and stoning him. Not just taking little pebbles and throwing little rocks at him. They put him in this area, he's chained to it, and they are putting these boulders on him and crushing them on him, killing him. They want him dead midst of it, there's a guy by the name of Saul that's holding the coats, really, of those that are doing these things. And in the middle of this persecution that's going through, has Stephen done anything wrong to this point? No. Preaching Jesus. Stephen cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Sound a lot like Jesus, didn't it? And he died there. One chapter later, Saul's on his way to persecute more Christians. That's what he liked to do. He thought he was doing God's work, but he was misled and he was not doing God's work. And on Damascus Road, there came a light to him and he met Jesus Christ face to face. And Jesus asked him this question. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You say, well, what does that mean? It's hard for you to fight against the conviction you're feeling. Say, well, why did, why did Saul have conviction? Because he saw Stephen. He saw Stephen. And Stephen acted Christ-like. In the midst of his suffering, he showed Christ. And I sincerely believe one of the things that changed Saul was the testimony he saw in Stephen. We look at this passage, we look at things, when we get wrongfully accused and we do what's right, it is a great opportunity to witness for Christ. The problem is in the church today, there are too many bad things going on that we're bringing a reproach and blasphemy to the name of Christ and not bringing honor to that name. May that never be said of this church. May we never bring reproach to the name or blasphemy. Give the enemies a chance to blasphemy the name of Christ. May he be as we sang about, he's all to us. And may he be lifted up. But we see, use, use your suffering as a way to witness. I mentioned last service towards the end. And, um, you know, this could be persecution. This could be suffering, things that happen in your life. And I don't mention things about people often because I don't want to give them a big head. And I really don't want this guy getting a big head that I'm going to talk about for a second. But I think the way we handle the suffering we go through, I think about, and today he wasn't feeling good, so he wasn't here, Russ. Russ, for 37 years, the same year I was born is when he started with his back issues. 
And in all reality, he stepped wrong at work on a step, and that's what happened. And then a doctor messed his back up in surgery. And for 37 years, he's been in constant pain, and he just lives his life. Now, he has his moments of being discouraged and being down. He does, like everyone does. But you talk to him, most of the time he's happy. He walks around joking around, and his jokes aren't funny, and he's not near as funny as he thinks he is. He might be watching right now, and if he's not, I will say this to his face so it's not gossip or anything like that. He's happy. He loves life. I think that, consider yourself blessed, I think that would be Russ. And why did this happen to him? Why does he have to live this way? He puts his trust in the Lord. And then he's used it. There are many people in this church and other places that look at him and the pain he goes through, and they're like, if he can still live for Jesus and smile, then I can. Do you see how it can be used as a testimony? And so this morning, this might be persecution in your life. This might be suffering that's in your life, whatever the case may be, but we see how to respond here. And we see lastly and fourthly today, and this is a hard one. To cons- you might want to consider it might be God's will. That's hard to swallow. It's God's will for me to suffer. It's God's will for persecution. Look at what verse 17 says. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Do you see that there? Now, when we look at this, and when we, sometimes we look and this is older English. This is, so, it's not, some people say we use the KJV, the 1611. This is not the 1611 before you. Most of you wouldn't even be able to read the 1611 because the font that they used and things like that. It had been updated later on. But in all reality, there are some words that we look at here. They have completely different meanings than what we give words today. And so you might look through there. And so it says, so you look at that phrase, For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And what we see in what the Bible is telling us here is really that as we suffer for righteousness' sake, it is God's will. That's the gist of it. It is not God's will for us to suffer doing wrong. I think you could say that as well. Say, so it was the will of God for what happened to that missionary to happen the other day? We could sit here for hours and talk about the will of God and the will of man, and we're not going to go down all of that today. There are many other times for that discussion. But I will say this. I'm already hearing, and what I told you about that article in Iraq, I'm already hearing of the people that lives were changed. And maybe this is going to forward the gospel there in Iraq like we don't have a clue. But when these things, God knows what's going on. And God, did Jesus, was it God's will for Jesus to die? Yes. Yes, it was. Did Stephen need to die? And a martyr's death? To help Paul do what he needed to do? I think so. And like I said, I'm not going down the road of all the, all the will thing. There's a lot there that we could go down. Say, well, God is in my suffering today. I, as we think about those things, 
I want you to realize that when you suffer, believe that God is there and working in your life. Stand on the promises that God's goodness and his mercy are running after you, as it says in Psalm 23, all the days of your life. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And believe the fact that he will work all things together for good to them that love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. But yeah, when we suffer for doing right, I think it is what the Lord wants. And that's the thing. God knows what we need and God knows what's best. Just the other day, and children, children don't get that with parents, right? Children think, oh, my mom or dad's just being mean to me, not letting me do this or that. And it's like, no, there's a reason. We love you and we want what's best for you. Same thing with God. We look at God at times and we're like, God's just being mean to me. He'd, no, he knows what's best for you and he knows what we need to conform us to the image of his son. He's doing a work in us. You are a work in progress this morning. You are not complete. If you think you're complete, you are, you are foolishly mistaken. Someday you'll be complete, but you're a work in progress right now. We're all a work in progress. And we still got, and I got a lot of work to do. And who knows how much time that I've got for the Lord to do this work in me. But how do we respond to persecution? How do we respond to suffering? Number one, we count ourselves blessed. Number two, we trust the Lord. We remove the fear. We remove the anxiety. We sanctify and set God apart in our hearts and minds as we go through these things so we can use it as a witness. Let me just tell you, you're going through it and you're suffering or you're, you're having a financial hardship. You know, we should not be anxious and all over the place like this world. We should not be soon shaken. We should not be a double-minded man. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We should be unmovable, abounding in God's work. And that comes as we put some things away and we focus on the Lord. And then use what you're going through to be a tool to witness. People watch you. Do you realize that today? They watch you. You know, some of your neighbors know every Sunday you're always leaving your house at a certain time. There's always, there's always that one or two people in the neighborhood that know what everybody's doing. They're your local neighborhood watch. They're the ones that on that ring thing, they're the ones who post all the things about the dog walking down the street or this or that happening and all these things going on all over the place. There's always those people in every neighborhood. They see you get up and go to church on Sundays. They see you get up every night and go to the bar, too. No, I'm just teasing. But um, they see these things. Be a good testimony. Let our lives be a testimony. And then we got to consider it the will of God. Father, I thank you for the truths that are found in your word.